This episode of the Bendy Bodies podcast is brought to you by Bowerfine Premium Braces and Supports. Bowerfine promotes mobility and activity through pain relief and improved joint control. It's okay for joints to move and it's okay for them to make noise, especially in our hypermobile dancers. And that's not scary or alarming. It's when we do it forcefully, repetitively, habitually for an effect that is not serving you a purpose long-term. It's a short-term relief that's probably causing more harm than good in the long run. Welcome back to the Bendy Bodies podcast, where we speak with experts bringing you state-of-the-art information to help you improve your well-being, enhance your performance, and optimize career longevity. This is co-host Jennifer Milner, here with the Hypermobility MD, Linda Bluestein. We are so glad you are here to learn tips to help you self-manage your conditions and live your best bendy life. This information is for educational purposes only and is not a substitute for medical advice. I'm Jennifer Milner, a former professional ballet and Broadway dancer, and I struggled my whole career with hypermobility-related issues and injuries. Now I train dancers and want to make sure the next generation of hypermobile artists are better equipped to work to their fullest potential. I'm Dr. Linda Bluestein, and I started Bendy Bodies to educate the hypermobile community. Despite being a physician, I experienced decades of symptoms before being finally diagnosed with hypermobile EDS. I've combined my medical education and personal experience to treat and coach patients and clients to optimize their quality of life. Our guest today is Dr. Carrie Sconey, certified chiropractic sports physician and owner of Perform Active Wellness Dance Medicine. Hello, Dr. Sconey, and welcome to Bendy Bodies. Hi, friends. Thanks so much for having me. I'm so glad to be on here. We're so excited. (laughs) We are so excited. This is a conversation we wanted to have for a while. But before we dig in, go ahead and just tell us a bit about yourself. Sure. Um, Let's see here. Like you said, I'm a certified chiropractic sports physician, which means um, I got my doctorate in chiropractic. And then I did some postgraduate um, education in um, sports medicine and rehab. I've have a private practice. I've been in private practice for 17 years uh, in the Chicago suburbs where I treat primarily dancers, uh, youth, adolescent, pre-professional and professional dancers. Um, I do see other adolescent athletes and active adults, but primarily I treat dancers, which is my real passion. Um, let's see here. I, I danced recreationally growing up in a small town. I loved, loved, loved dance. I also grew like a really big fascination with movement and the human body. I loved the sciences. I got really interested in nutrition and fitness and exercise. And um, that was all so fascinating to me that I, you know, really thank dance for. Um, I had a number of common injuries when I danced. And at the time, this was in the 90s, you know, they're just I think like a lot of our stories, there just wasn't a lot of help out there and no one really knew what to offer or, you know, advice to give. And maybe I should stop dancing. And, you know, none of that seemed reasonable to me. Of course, Um, my parents had always seen a chiropractor and they had recommended, you know, maybe you just see a chiropractor and I get really good relief, like, you know, very quickly. And the chiropractor I saw was um, more of like a, what we would call like a straight chiropractor. So she only did like joint manipulation. She didn't have any other like significant therapies that she did. So, but that was enough to give me some relief and keep me dancing. And so then I just got really interested of like, what if there's a way to like, you know, I could help dancers, you know, and I could use a natural approach and I could use my hands and we could talk about, you know, fitness and exercise. And, 
um, and help other dancers. So then, you know, this kind of was like, I could do this. Um, in the nineties, you know, dance medicine wasn't really a thing yet. And so, um, it was kind of a far-fetched idea I thought for me. And then I, I went to school and then lo and behold, I come out and they start working with dancers. And it's just been so fun to watch this profession of dance medicine really grow. And I love that I get to use, you know, my background in chiropractic specifically to help dancers, but my passion is really helping dancers, you know, prevent injury, um, prevent recurrence of injury, empowering dancers to understand their bodies, promote health and wellness and, um, you know, how to care for the bodies, how to train smarter, not harder, those kinds of things. So adolescence is really where I love working with dancers because I feel like we can have the most impact um, on their lives and the trajectory, mm. of both their dance career and just their health and wellness in general. I would agree with that. And I think um, we, we all met for everybody who cares. We all met <laughs> in 2019, I think in Montreal, right? Mm. And um, it's just been such a, a joy to be surrounded by medical professionals who ha have sort of a like-minded approach that are thinking, what can we do to prevent? What can we do to encourage longevity? And I think that's why our group kind of hangs out with each other, <laughs> even though it's, you know, in space on the internet. Um, so you've been in our circle for a while and, and, you know, we've been talking to you that way. We have been doing this podcast for, this is our third season. So three years now, and several listeners have requested that we do an episode on chiropractic care. And as Dr. Bluestein and I started asking around, trying to find somebody who specialized in chiropractic care for hypermobility, um, it just became very obvious to us that if such a unicorn does exist, um, we didn't know them. <laughs> so we, we do know you though, and we absolutely appreciate your approach to care and everything. And you do specialize in dancers. You do work with a lot of hypermobile people. So we thought we would kind of dig into a topic today that clearly needs more discussion. Um, and there's a lot of um, there's a lot of misconceptions around chiropractic. Um, there are a lot of things that people don't quite understand. So I thought we would kind of clear that up. So let's start with what defines chiropractic care. Lots of people think chiropractors are like the poppers, um, yeah. but that's not the full story. So how would you define chiropractic care? Yes. Right. Thanks. Um, plus, I just want to say thank you for having this topic on because I get a lot of questions also about chiropractic and I love your podcast and I think you just cover so many great topics. So I'm honored that you would cover this topic and have me on. So thank you both. Um, okay. So chiropractic, if we kind of have this like broad picture of chiropractic is basically a conservative, natural, drug-free kind of holistic minded approach to treating pain and dysfunction of the body. Um, and that's kind of this all encompassing, like generally most chiropractors have this picture of like, let's help people restore their health and maintain wellness. Most people think of chiropractic by the one technique that we're most known for, and that's joint manipulation or chiropractic manipulation. And, and chiropractic was historically founded on that principle of manipulating joints. And so we're still really strongly known for that. In reality, it's just one technique that we use in a whole wide range of conservative approaches. So um, going back, like historically chiropractic, um, like in the late 1800s was founded on basically a philosophy that, you know, all the nerves that come out of the spine control all the body functions. And if there's dis disease or dysfunction in the body, it must be because those nerves are not working correctly. And so the philosophy was that perhaps there were bones out of place that were not working correctly and they were interfering with nerve function. And if we restored proper alignment, quote unquote, in the spine, nerves would work better, disease and dysfunction would go away. 
So that's where chiropractic started. There are still chiropractors who practice philosophy based that way. Although, you know, a lot has changed in medicine since the late 1800s and chiropractic has evolved quite a bit since then. And um, while there is still a lot of benefit to joint manipulation, uh, and it is a really powerful, meaningful, conservative way to treat the body, it's it's modernized quite a bit. So um, we don't use the bone out of place. From I'm going to speak for myself right now. I don't use the bone out of place theory. I don't often say like bones are misaligned. It's really just kind of a, um, a not accurate description of what happens in the body. We do get joint restrictions. We lose motion. We do have this function and how muscles and ligaments and tendons work. Um, and that can all be addressed with hands-on care and joint manipulation. But um, this idea that maybe a bone is out of place and if we treat the nerves, we can cure cancer. Like that's all kind of in the past. Um, so chiropractic has modernized quite a bit and now includes, you know, exercise and rehab and, you know, therapeutic modalities and all a wide range of um, conservative drug-free options to help people live better, move better, feel better. Um, yes. So joint manipulation is one part of chiropractic, but a lot of times people think like I'm going to the chiropractor, I'm just going to get manipulated in my joints. Um, you know, in my practice, I have a sports medicine practice and rehab based. So my, the way I practice looks a lot like how a physical therapist practices, you know, I use joint manipulation, um, but I also do really comprehensive orthopedic neurologic testing. I do, I, we do a lot of exercise in my office, you know, functional rehab. Um, and so, you know, and then chiropractic also exists on this big spectrum where I have chiropractic colleagues who go on to specialize in other fields of medicine. So chiropractic neurology, like functional neurology, functional medicine, chiropractic nutritionist, chiropractic radiologist, chiropractic internist, um, acupuncture. So there's, you know, chiropractic is this base of principle of conservative treatment. And then you can specialize in a lot of areas from there. Thank you for that. Um, it's helpful to sort of understand that chiropractic is kind of a big, broad umbrella term. So thinking about that and that it's a conservative approach to care, what sort of people tend to seek out chiropractic care? So in a broad sense, again, I think anyone who's looking for maybe a more natural approach to health and wellness. So these are people who like don't want to jump into surgery. They don't want to, they would prefer not to take drugs if they can help it. Um, you know, they're more interested in nutrition or supplementation. They generally have, you know, an interest in health and wellness. Um, so in a broad sense, I think that draws people to chiropractic in a really specific sense. Of course, we have people who come to chiropractic because they have neck and back pain, you know, so that's the, like I have neck pain and back pain. Who would I see? I see a chiropractor. Um, so that's a really, or headaches, you know, those mm -hmm. are probably the three most common why people would be drawn to chiropractic. Um, Yes. So, you know, I see chiropractors treat musculoskeletal injuries across the whole body. So, you know, anywhere there's a joint, a muscle, a tendon, a ligament, which is everywhere in the body, you know, we treat that. So for instance, you know, I have people who come to me because they don't want to have labral repair surgery on their hip yet or at all. And so we treat, you know, hip impingement and hip labral tears, or, you know, the outcomes on meniscus surgery and rehab are very similar. And so people choose, I don't really want to have surgery. I mean, I'd rather have rehab, you know, so they come for that ankle impingement. Um, 
rotator cuff syndrome. So anywhere there's a joint and there's muscles and ligaments and tendons, we can treat that. And generally, you know, we get people who are like, Hey, I'm, I'm willing to put in the work to do this conservatively to avoid the risks of medication or surgery. Obviously people with joint hypermobility get subluxations and dislocations, but sometimes the way it's presented, I feel like makes it more scary and makes people think that there's so much that's wrong in their body. <laughs> and I think that we can be really thoughtful about how we say things that make people have more confidence in their body and, mm -hmm. and more confidence in their ability to get better, I guess. So you probably see lots of hypermobile people. Some of them struggle with chronic dislocations, subluxations. Um, so, you know, would they benefit from chiropractic care, even if their joints are already what we would say, quote unquote, too loose or which of those patients would likely benefit, obviously knowing that this is general information, not a one-on-one -on -one consult. <laughs> right. 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 So, um, yeah, great question. Um, if I can go back, like, you know, in hypermobile patients, subluxation is a real medical term. It's a partial dislocation. The problem is chiropractors have adopted the term subluxation in a non-dislocation -disloc way. Mm. Um, so subluxation is a common term. We, we say sometimes chiropractors are subluxation based, meaning they believe that there is a bone out of place or there's misalignment and they want to correct the subluxation. It's not exactly how that happens. And, you know, I don't want to disrespect, you know, colleagues in my field, but, um, in hypermobile patients, we use the term actually subluxation. You know, there is partial dislocations of, of the joints because of the hypermobility. So, you know, certainly we need to be careful about hypermobile patients who are experiencing true subluxations through there and protecting those joints well. Um, I see a lot of hypermobile patients um, and they can benefit a lot from chiropractic. I mean, here's the thing, joint manipulation is a powerful tool. It's It can reduce acute pain pretty quickly even if it's for a short period of time. Sometimes we use joint manipulation to reduce pain in a painful area so that we can then work on stabilization and strengthening in that area. Sometimes, you know, if I have someone who has a disc herniation and, you know, they can tolerate a joint manipulation, it will reduce their pain enough that then, then we can do the next step. And I like to use joint manipulation as a one step in the process to get to other steps. Um, we're trying to improve overall function uh, on the body and sometimes manipulation is one way that we can do that in hypermobile bodies. They don't always need joint manipulation or mobile mobilization. Obviously there's a lot of mobility in the joint already. And, um, with great mobility comes a great responsibility to try to stabilize those joints and be strong through there. So a lot of the work I do with hypermobile patients is reframing their thinking about their joints and what they're feeling. Um, you know, teaching them when it would be appropriate that we could move a joint into, you know, other ranges of motion and when we should not, perhaps. Um, I use joint manipulation very sparingly with my hypermobile patients. Um, I, when I can, or when it's appropriate, I'll offer like more low grade mobilization techniques. Some chiropractors use like instrument assisted joint manipulation, like an activator technique, which is you know, a lower force uh, technique for moving joints that can be appropriate in hypermobile patients. Uh, otherwise, you know, I prefer with, with dancers, especially to work on joint stabilization, retraining the proprioception around the joint, having them not rely on, you know, that feeling of that immediate relief that they get from joint manipulation. Um, and so if we can, we can kind of pull them back from that and, um, 
get them to realize, okay, what my body really is craving is stability and strength. And for a lot of my dancers that come in, you know, sometimes often, I will say often, I'm the first time they're ever even learning that they're hypermobile. Mm-hmm. You know, I think you guys have talked a lot about this too, of like these dancers, they just don't know, you know, they think I'm a mm-hmm. good dancer. I'm really flexible. Like, you know, my teachers give me a lot of roles because I'm so good at them. It's like, Ooh, yeah, you have generalized joint hypermobility or, you know, very specific joint hypermobility. And they don't know what that means. And mm-hmm. There's a lot of education that happened there. I know you guys do a lot of that also. Um, but so hypermobile patients answer your question. Yes, they can get joint manipulated in certain circumstances when you are using it responsibly and appropriately. Uh, I use it sparingly, uh, if at all. Um, I think it can help with acute pain when our dancers are, can feel like, okay, this actually does feel like I sublux this today, or, you know, I'm getting a lot of rib pain or my low back and we can get them some immediate relief to move on to the next place. And, um, here's the other thing for hypermobile dancers that, um, a lot of them are cracking their joints on their own. (sighs) You know, there's a lot of self-manipulation happening in the dancer population, especially when they're hypermobile and it's, it's understandable. Um, it's very relieving. Um, it gives them a lot of proprioceptive feedback, which they're lacking in their joints. Um, it gives them immediate sense of relief. There's a neurochemical response where they're feeling like an endorphin like response of like, Oh, I'm getting pain relief from this. Um, they, that stretch reflex on the muscle or around the tendons feels good to them. And so they, and they, it happens easily for them. It's really easy for them to, you know, click pop everywhere. So a lot of them are self-manipulating anyway. And I feel like if that's happening, which I educate them not to do <laughs> generally, um, the chiropractor is a great place to be, to do that safely. Like I'd rather have you stop doing that on your own and see a chiropractor who can tell you like, okay, this is where you need motion. You definitely don't need motion in this joint. We're not putting more motion in this joint. You don't need it. You need stability and strength here. Um, and so regardless, the chiropractor is trained to move those joints safely, as opposed to when a dancer is doing it by themselves and they're you know, kind of perpetuating this cyclic pattern of like stretch a joint feels better, stretch a joint again, feels better. And you just keep stretching these ligaments and creating more and more instability or um, promoting the laxity in the joint. And that almost always leads to problems. So um, I don't know if I answered your question, but can I just clarify something in there really quick? Yeah. You, you said a lot of dancers want to manipulate self-manipulate anyway. And so if they're going to do that, they might as well go see a chiropractor and, and have, have, have them do it. I, I know you, so I know, I, I'm pretty sure what you're saying is not, if you like to twist and pop your lower back, have a professional do it for you instead. You're not saying seek out a professional to do that joint popping that you already like to do. Right. You're saying we acknowledge that dancers do enjoy that popping feeling. So let's go talk to a professional about why they enjoy that popping feeling yes. where they might need some relief and and what they should be doing instead. Right. I just didn't want people to hear that and be like, Oh, I'll go to a chiropractor and I can pull up my menu and tell them do this, this, and this right. for me. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for clarifying. It made more sense in my head um, when I said it, um, but you said that lovely. Um, I do, you know, I get dancers who come to me who have been referred to chiropractors already for neck pain and back pain, because we know our hypermobile dancers do have quite a bit of neck and back pain at times. And so their first choice is chiropractic. Um, 
you know, and there are chiropractors who are maybe not as selective in uh, what they do, or are maybe only joint manipulation is the only thing they offer. And everyone who rocks into the office gets the same treatment. And, mm-hmm. you know, I highly discourage hypermobile dancers from seeking out that type of care. It can be self-fulfilling of like, oh, I go, you know, I've had patients who are like, well, you know, as young as 10, 11 years old, I go to the chiropractor twice a week for the last five years. I'm like, Ooh, wow. And why are you, you know, tell me why you're here. Well, I'm in a lot of pain. Okay. Like, you know, let's talk about that. Is it working? Is that working for you? You know? So, um, I, again, joint manipulation can be a tool that we use, but in the hypermobile dancer, gosh, I just think we have to be really, really cautious. And I err on the side of not moving hypermobile joints whenever possible. Um, it's, it's uncommon for me to manipulate my hypermobile dancers. Um, and I do spend a lot of time educating them about why, why that is. I want them to know. And a lot of them, you know, once they understand what that, you know, self-manipulation or the chiropractor they're seeing twice a week, you know, what that's doing to their joints and why that might be difficult for a hypermobile joint long-term, most of them are on board right away. Like, absolutely. Like now I get it. I'm on board. Like I want to preserve my joints. I want to protect my dancing. Um, Yes. I'm so glad that you brought up about the self-manipulation because whether I am seeing someone one-on-one or giving a talk, you know, you see people doing those things constantly. And I have some self-manipulation that has had become habitual for me. And if you just like Google or, you know, ask a lot of people, they'll say, oh, no, 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 that's fine to do. But I, I have the same philosophy that you do that, especially if you're doing it repetitively, that that's really problematic and trying to understand why, why you feel the need to do it is so important. And that that's different, right. From spontaneous, like you just moved and something made a sound. Yes, absolutely. It it's okay for joints to move and it's okay for them to make noise, especially in our hypermobile dancers. And that's not scary or alarming. It's when we do it forcefully, repetitively, habitually for an effect that is not serving you a purpose long-term. It's a short-term relief. That's probably causing more harm than good in the long run. So there's a lot of room for education there (laughs) in teaching our dancers about, you know, the safety of, of joint motion and stabilizing their joints. And a, and a quick follow-up to that. I feel like a lot of people think if there's a sound, if there's a you know cavitation or whatever, therefore the joint either was subluxed or it now is subluxed. Yeah. So can you quickly explain the difference between those? Because I feel like that's an important thing. Yeah. The, the sound doesn't mean much. <laughs> you know, we kind of, <laughs> we start to connect, like I heard a sound, it feels good. Something ha- positive really happened. Um, we can manipulate joints and not get a sound. There's, there's fluid in a joint. Uh, when you take a joint to its end physiological range of motion, there's a little bit of, a, um, basically like a negative pressure effect in the joint. There's gas bubbles that can be released. It creates a cavitation or a sound, a popping sound through there. Um, for some people, you know, the feeling is like when we get to the end range, physiological range of motion, that feels good to them. It just so happens there's a pop too, but the pop doesn't really mean anything, but you know, I've seen dancers who crack their toes, for instance. I mean, they have really hypermobile toes and they're cracking their toes over and over again, and they'll keep cracking to try to get a sound. 
in the meantime, they've get themselves a capsulitis, you know, they yeah. have these stretched ligaments, they have, you know, toes that bend past 90 degrees. Um, they're, you know, their big toe joint is swollen and painful. And it's like, stop, just stop. You know, <laughs> you don't need that. You're not ready. You don't need to crave the sound, the sound. We don't correlate <laughs> as much. So we know that some people will have um, asymptomatic joint hypermobility and other people have symptoms related. And it could be that they have Ehlers-Danlos. It could be that they have hypermobility spectrum disorder. They could have a variety of different things. If someone comes to you and you're working with them and they have um, symptomatic joint hypermobility, does that change your approach in working with them? Yes. Yeah, definitely. I mean, everything then goes through the hypermobility lens too. Um, You know, first, probably the, the first thing that comes to mind is that I try really hard to not like, don't chase the pain. Mm-hmm. Um, because my hypermobile dancers often, you know, will set up maybe like a treatment plan. Like I want to see you once a week for six weeks and let's, you know, come up with a plan of what you can work on at home and at the studio. But every one of those times they come in, they're like, okay, today, my shoulder and like uh. the back and today it's my ankle. And, um, which I, t- you know, I can totally sympathize with, um, but I try not to chase the pain. We try to look big picture of like, okay, here's the deal. Like I'm going to try to give you some relief today. I'm going to teach you some self-care strategies of how you can handle this because you may get these pains again. I'm not going to solve this problem today. You may, this may happen again. Your shoulder may hurt from time to time. Um, here are some self-care strategies. Here are the exercises I want you to do instead, you know, and then we really have to take this like big long-term focus of like, you know, I think sometimes people go to chiropractors and it's like, I want a quick fix, like fix me, you know, and I feel better, but then they feel like oh, I have to go back two days from now because I don't feel good anymore. So in a hypermobility lens, it's like, yes, I want you to be out of pain today so that you can go back to class or rehearsals. But also I'm going to here to remind you, we are looking for long-term success with your body and wellness. And so, um, you know, our, my focus is really reminding of that every time they're reminding them of that every time they're in here's how we're going to work on stability of the joint here's the exercises you're going to do the other thing is i mean hyper my hypermobile bodies that come in they just can't always tolerate as much as other athletes um hypermobile bodies as you guys know have good days and bad days you know <laughs> and so we have to ask you know is today a good day do you you know do you do you feel like you have a lot of fuel in your tank can you can you give us some effort today to feel like doing some exercises. Should we review what we did last time? You know, and sometimes they didn't, they weren't able to this last week. Hey, this last week, like, man, everything hurt. Or, you know, I really struggled with this. I didn't get to my exercises. Like, okay. So a lot of times it's a much slower approach. I don't throw as much at them um, as I would some other athletes, because I just know there's a lot of variables in there. Um, Of course, you know, talking about self-manipulation with a hypermobile dancer, we always talk about breaking that habit and not doing self-manipulating. So that's, you know, that's always one of my first conversations with a hypermobile dancer that comes in. Um, I think I already mentioned, of course, like using manipulation sparingly as my treatment technique with hypermobile dancers or bodies in general, like focusing more on supportive care. So let's talk about, you know, what kind of pillow do you have? You know, what kind of mattress are you on? What's your posture? Like when you're studying for school, where are you doing your homework? You know, how much time are you spending on your phone? What's your, you know, um, how heavy is your backpack? Um, you know, teaching here are some taping strategies that you could use for support on your own. You can do this at home. You don't need me to do this. I can teach you how to do it. Um, joint braces, if they need that, um, educating a lot about 
you know, what they're doing in the studio and rehearsals a lot, you know, a lot, there's such a big education component, especially if this is all new information to um, patients and they don't know, like, I don't don't even know what hypermobility is. I didn't know hypermobility had a spectrum, you know, like, um, so I try not to overwhelm them with a lot of information at once. I try to feed them little bits at a time, like, "Hmm, you know, this joint has a is a little bit more lax and this is what that means. And then, you know, we kind of progress from there. And because I take a holistic approach then with hypermobile bodies, especially we tend, I tend to start to get into more questions about like, Hmm, what about like, do you ever have GI dysfunction? You know, have you, how's your digestion? How's your nutrition? And then I can guide them to the appropriate resources. You know, I have some training in all of those areas, but that's not my lane. So I refer out, you know, then I send them to Kristen Koskinen for nutrition, or let me send you from a functional medicine doctor for a GI workup, or, um, you know, stress and anxiety, like, let's get you in with a counselor, like, let's work through some of that stuff. Um, so I do that with a lot of my patients, but I feel especially for mm-hmm. young bodies and hypermobile bodies, I feel a, a huge um, responsibility to be a resource for them and to advocate for them. Um, we do, we talk a lot about self-advocacy in the classroom, which is a huge issue. Um, I know you guys know about <laughs> um, trying to get them to advocate for their bodies in the classroom. And so I try to be a resource for that and create communication with their instructors. And so, yes, there, I mean, there's a lot that went up when a hypermobile patient comes in, there's, it just is this all encompassing, like, okay, let's, you know, let's pick this apart. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and in the end, I look at patients like they're a puzzle, you know, and there's all these different pieces of the puzzle. And my job is just try to help them put the pieces back together. Like, you know, he, okay, we have, a, we have a little anxiety, like, here's what, let me teach you about that. And then let me point you to resources or some, the GI or, you know, um, chronic subluxation, things like that. So we've trying just trying to piece all these things together and um, help them in that process. Mm-hmm. That's great. I think there are, there are a few different kinds of people that I've run into with, um, in regards to chiropractic, there are the people who are like, Oh, those poppers, like they just want to get you in there. And there, and there are like chiropractic is a huge field, right? You said it encompasses so many different things and you can go on to specialize or do just, um, general chiropractic, I, I guess. So there are some really bad chiropractors out there, just mm-hmm. like there are really bad Pilates trainers out there as well. <laughs> So, so some people may have had bad experiences or they may think somebody just wants me to come in twice a week for the rest of my life so they can adjust me. And then there are people who are like, I love chiropractors. They're fantastic. They really help maintain me. They really help move forward. Um, This conversation hopefully is shedding some light on the possibilities of what you can get with chiropractic care and with what you can have through it. I, I have been through chiropractic care most of my, most of my dance career and was fortunate enough to work with a really good person um, early on. And she recognized my hypermobility. And one of the best things she did for me was to arm me with information for when I traveled. So when Mm -hmm. I was out on tour and having to look up other doctors, like she literally wrote notes about how to put blocks under my hips or how to do this and that. And I would hand the notes to them and they'd be like, this makes no sense. And I'm like, it doesn't have to, (laughs) like, this is the, this is the recipe that works. So just read this, you know? So I think that the education that you're talking about is so key. Um, And the other piece that is really important for me as a, as a hypermobile person who does go see a chiropractor is 
the concept of moving really slowly, as you said, um, because there can some be some great days and bad days, but also there, as you said, we kind of crave that release. Mm-hmm. Um, but if, if a person, if a, if a hypermobile person is tight, it's for a reason. Yeah. <laughs> there, there is tightness going on to help stabilize something that is unstable. And what my current chiropractor has kind of learned with me because she wasn't a specialist in hypermobile people, you know, most people aren't, um, is that a little bit goes a long way. And if she does some release work like soft tissue or anything, you might do just a tiny bit, but if you do too much, then all the joints are like, we're free and they go running (laughs) and something dislocates. (laughs) So it's that constant, a little release, a little strength and a little release. And I think that's such a huge, important component for working with hypermobile people is understanding you can't go, Oh, that whole shoulder is so tight. Let me just release all of it because then the the arm just falls out of the socket. Right. Yeah. So like you said, education is so important. Yeah. And if I could, if I could talk about that for just a second, because I think the conversation I have a lot with uh, dancers is there's a difference between feeling tight and being tight. Mm. And that's a really common conversation we have. Um, you know, if a hypermobile dancer comes in and says like, oh, my hamstrings are so tight. And it's like, oh, okay, let's check. Let's check. You know, let's see what's happening. So helping them to understand like tightness is there. If there's tightness there in the muscle, it's there for a reason. And you stretching the hamstring or the joint excessively into oversplits or, you know, hanging out in a straddle position is not serving you. It's not fixing the tightness. So, you know, if, if a dancer says my hamstring's really tight and I can take their leg to their nose, like, okay, I just want to say like the hamstring is not actually tight but I understand you that you feel tight. And so we need to understand why is that, that you feel tight? So, um, is the joint craving stability or have you been, you know, really, um, overusing the hip joint or maybe the core is lacking some strength and stability been overworking in the back. Um, the hamstrings are, are tightening up. You're feeling a tension because your body is trying to create stability, uh, in an effect to have a, a bigger role around the joints. And I think that reframing is just so powerful for them. And, you know, I often catch them and they, they learn really quickly in my office of like, they walk in and they say, Oh, my neck is tight. And I'm like, mm-hmm. like, it, you know, let's just think for a second. Like, do we think the neck is tight or does the neck feel tight today? And they say, you're right. The neck feels tight today. Okay, great. As long as we can reframe that. And I think that helps them understand, like, I don't, I don't need to sit in a stretch to fix this problem. That's not it. And then they understand, okay, Dr. Carey gave me all these tools to use. So if I feel tight, what can I do for that? And I can work on my proprioceptive exercises. I can work on joint stabilization exercises. I can work on my strengthening. I can use a taping technique, you know, all of these other things that are actually going to have a positive effect on what their body is craving. So that's something that I use a lot with Mm -hmm. answers. Well, and if, if I'm feeling tight, like my back starts to, you know, get crabby because I'm so loose and my chest might start to get tight. Right. And so if my chest gets tight, I just want to stretch my chest and my chiropractor's like, no, you have to strengthen your back. And I'm like, shut up. (laughs) (laughs) I don't, I don't want to work. I want you to just like open, you know, but I understand what she's saying. And I would love to just fall in the straddle and stretch, but instead we actually have to strengthen what it is that's making us feel like we need to fall in the straddle and stretch. So I really appreciate that. Is there, um, 
are there are there issues that are common in people with hypermobility disorders? Because we know people with um, disorders do have a lot of common comorbidities. Are there some sort of issues that might kind of give you pause in treating a certain issue that you'd be like, oh, let's wait until we know for sure or anything like that? Uh, yes. So one that I see most often would be like lumbar stress fractures. Mm-hmm. Because of hypermobility, there tends to be a lot of lumosacral extension. Our dance teachers often exploit that hypermobility. Mm-hmm. By lots of tricks and, you know, dancers want, I can, so I want to, you know, take my back this far, my leg this far, whatever. So, um, there's a lot of extra impact forces there, uh, in combination with not as much joint support. Um, and so I do get lumbar stress fractures quite a bit in the office. Um, it's, you know, I can still treat around there. So I wouldn't say that necessarily gives me pause in that area, but it's definitely high on my radar of like, okay, we need to get this evaluated for sure. And we go for imaging sooner. Um, so we can get a a proper diagnosis on that. Um, I don't, I do see this, but less commonly would be like upper cervical instability. So the ligaments and particularly in the upper part of the cervical spine by your head, uh, Anywhere, of course, ligaments can be lax, but especially there, you know, we have some really sensitive structures through there at the base, at the brainstem, at the base of the brain. Um, so we don't want to mess around too much if there's a lot of suspected laxity in the cervical ligaments, just a lot more susceptible tissues or injuries through there. Um, some EDS and hypermobile dancers are more susceptible to like a Chiari malformation, um, which is, you know, basically like a herniation of part of the brain into the spinal canal. Um, so we need to be aware that those things exist. Uh, hypermobile dancers often have um, like dizziness or, you know, fainting. They have syncope, um, they'll faint sometimes. And so there's some vascular issues there that we need to be cautious of. So I'm careful just on what techniques I'm using, um, you know, how aggressively we're working, even on exercise, you know, um, but certainly with cervical manipulation, I'm much more cautious because of the laxity component through there. Um, dancers who present with like, Oh, I have, I'm dizzy all the time. And I faint sometimes and I have chronic daily headaches. Like, Ooh, okay. Like we need a referral. Like I'm not, a, I'm not adjusting your neck today, but we need a referral to evaluate further, like what's happening through here. And, and maybe that's just, you know, it might be quote unquote normal for them because of, you know, POTS or anything else, but, um, we want to get that evaluated. Um, what else? I'm really careful around the shoulder because of shoulder dislocations. Um, so I think just monitoring what techniques we do, even exercises, being cautious of that hypermobility and hyperextension in the knees and the elbows when we're doing exercises or even in the wrists, like if we're doing floor work, it's like, okay, we need to be careful because you may not be able to tolerate loading the wrist or the elbows um, during any of our exercises. So we have to get creative sometimes. I know you guys experience that as well. And John, especially you with um, your Pilates work. What kind of things make you think specifically, oh, we need to do imaging for this dancer? (laughs) That's kind of hard to explain. Um, There's a 
a pretty common like clinical presentation. So if someone comes in, they, you know, we can point to the pain, like it's there. It's at, you know, L5S1, they can point to it. It's sharp. It hurts during these orthopedic tests. It hurts every time I arch my back. It hurts with jumping. Um, and so we kind of just go through this orthopedic eval where it's like, oh, this one starts to raise like this fit, this checks all, it starts to check all the boxes. Um, sometimes we'll do a trial of conservative care. Like, okay, let's, let's work on this two or three visits. But if I still have a really high clinical suspicion and you're getting no relief from the things that I can provide you with stabilization or, or manipulation, if it's appropriate, or, you know, any other technique we're using for pain management, if they're like, no, it's still an eight out of 10 pain, like, "Mm, okay. Um, that's a really high clinical suspicion for me. And, you know, in reality in dancers, like it's not even the dancers who are just doing hyperextension movements. So particularly dancers who have a lot of mobility, if they, have a hard time controlling um, functionally what their core is doing and they have a hard time like stacking the rib cage or they're in an anterior pelvic tilt or, you know, they're doing a lot of jumping and that can cause a lot of compression um, and extension in the lumbar spine, even if you're not in extreme ranges of motion. And, you know, stress fracture in any case is a case where the load is greater than the capacity. So there's some mechanical dysfunction, whether it's anatomical, structural, or it's functional because of weakness someplace, the capacity of the body is lower than the ability to handle the load that they're giving it. So yes, it becomes very apparent when we have dancers who are doing, you know, lots of tricks and overarching their back. And, but it doesn't have to be that I see dancers who are just training hard and, um, not doing anything too abnormal, but maybe have these other functional weaknesses that lower their capacity to tolerate the load. And that can contribute not to mention like growth spurts and, you know, there's a lot of other contributing factors to stress fractures. And I see that in some, well, gymnasts too, right? We see that Mm -hmm. in gymnasts, of course. Um, But I, I see that in some of my patients that are not dancers or gymnasts. It seems like those fractures are not that uncommon, or at least in this population of people. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right. That makes sense. I mean, I can obviously see how exploiting the super flexibility can cause them, but also the impact of it. People don't think about that, but I've, I've seen more um, impact, I think, or originated stress fractures in the low back from gymnasts than in dancers. Mm-hmm. Um from all of the hard landing they do and the way they absorb it in their lower back. Um, but I could see why that would be an issue in hypermobile dancers, just with the inability to control their spine and absorb the load from jumping, um, efficiently. Yeah. So I could definitely see that. You know, also, I think it's something we need, we need to continue to make sure all of our providers are really well educated, which is why what you guys do is so powerful. But, um, you know, when we think about, a dance instructor saying, Oh, your low back still hurts. Okay. Go see the chiropractor. It still hurts. Okay. Keep going to see the chiropractor. And you know, if we, ha- if we're seeing someone who is not really attuned to what the risks are mm-hmm. or looking for those risk factors, or maybe is not doing a full orthopedic neurologic exam, like, you know, then as dancers, we think like, Oh, it's normal to be in pain. It's normal. Mm-hmm. To be in pain you know, my back still hurts. My back still hurts. My back still hurts. Like, uh, so I had a busy week. My back still hurts. Like, ugh, you know, and so I think educating our instructors and educating medical providers more about hypermobility and what to look for. Um, of course, you know, I want, I want everyone to understand what the stress that dancers go through, but, um, you know, I, I think we think about sometimes there are chiropractic facilities that don't do full examinations. Um, 
and are, you know, you're in and out in five minutes and, you know, I don't want to be disrespectful to my colleagues, but I think it waters down what we can offer in the profession. Um, and I think there, there's some risk there if we're not really understanding what's walking in the door. Um, and we can't just manipulate, manipulate away pain all the time. At some point we need to be like, okay, what's, what's actually happening here? What, what is going on? And so, yes, you can go to a facility down the street and walk in and get adjusted. They take walk-ins and you feel better and you walk out, but it's such a disservice to what chiropractic is and can offer on a whole. And also just a disservice to patients of like, boy, you, you really deserve a full, I mean, every does, everyone does, of course, every condition deserves a full workup. Um, but it's, it's common now to see like that doesn't happen, pop in my chiropractor and pop out. And that makes me nervous for dancers, especially. So as you have just explained, there can be a really wide variety of chiropractic care out there that can be the really great um, full on full exam. Every time you walk in very comprehensive, including physical therapy exercises, all of that. And it can be what feels more like a drive-through, you know, order off the the dollar menu and, and you're on your way again. Um, so for everybody who is not in the Chicago area, which is where you live and, um, would be great to be able to see you, what (laughs) should someone be looking for when they are searching for a chiropractor? Like how do they, how do they know? Yeah. You know, referrals are a good, a good option. So if you know someone who's been somewhere and they can attest to their um, experience, that's a good, that's a good option. Uh, I think looking for chiropractors who are certified in additional like methods. So like sports medicine or rehab, generally, if there's a chiropractor who's, who has additional training and certification for sportsmen and rehab, they are taking an active approach to care. It's not a like subluxation based philosophy based care. It is like, okay, we're here to make you work. We're going to work together. We're going to be a team. Um, and so that's a good starting place as someone who has some certification with sports medicine. I do see chiropractors who, um, do have that and, and advertise that and still have really quick non-thorough visits. So that's probably not a be all end all, but it's a good starting place. Um, let's see here. Anyone who's rehab based, of course, let's hear, I think a doctor who takes a detailed history. So, you know, my first visits are 60 minutes or longer. Um, so someone who's really trying to understand you as a person, they want to know your full medical background. They're, you know, looking at how you move and function. I think that's a good option. Uh, you can ask, well, how long do you spend with a patient? You know, if you're interviewing for a chiropractor, how long are you spending with a patient? Generally like subsequent visit, we like at least 20 minutes, if not 30 to 60 minutes of care so that, you know, there is you're not just walking in and getting adjusted and leaving, you know, that there is actual, you know, therapies and you can ask, are are there extra, are there exercises that are going to be prescribed? Does someone watch me do those exercises? Or are you just going to hand me a sheet and send me home with exercises? You can ask, like, you want to do those exercises supervised. You want someone who understands how to squat and how to lift and how to bend. And you want someone to teach you that you just don't want someone to hand you an exercise sheet and send home. Um, I think looking for someone who's willing to create a personalized plan for you that is unique to your goals. And some of this stuff is just, you have to interview, you know, you go to an appointment and you interview them. It's hard to gain some of this information from a website or, but, um, you know, what people say online. Um, let's see here. What else? I think, you know, staying away from cookie cutter type treatments where like, maybe there's a scare tactic of, you know, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go back. Um, I think staying away from chiropractors who maybe do like, um, full spine x-rays on every Mm -hmm. patient. (laughs) 
and clinically indicated to do that. Um, it's unnecessary. It's overutilization. Um, so that's always a, a flag for me of like, oh, do we need that? Like, is that is that clinically indicated? Um, or someone who uses x-rays as a scare tactic. I don't love mm-hmm. that. You know, like, ooh, see how this is what a normal neck looks like. And this is what uh-huh. yours looks like. Ooh, this is bad. You know, <laughs> you, fix that. you just need to come to me three times a week for the next six months. And it's like, ooh, you know, I would not sign up for that kind of care. You may get some temporary relief from joint manipulation through there, but I think that's not an ideal place for, I would say most patients, but especially for dancers and hypermobile dancers. Um, and you want a doctor who's going to give you some lasting relief. So if you, like I said before, if you are, you know, if I have patients that say, well, I've been seeing a chiropractor twice a week for, you know, five years. It's like, well, are you, are you getting any significant relief? You know, in some cases, people have serious injuries that require they're in chronic pain and they require care. I get that. But if I have a, you know, 12 year old who's seen chiropractor twice a week and not feeling any improvement after years, something's not working. So, you know, um, I think that's a bit of a red flag of like, mm, okay, you know, my patients, I usually, I'm generally am seeing them six to 10 visits max. And then if they want to stay on for long-term like success of like, you know, performance-based care, or how are we going to continue to help you manage chronic pain or dysfunction? We can do that, but, um, don't be signing up for those long, long, long-term care plans. So I don't know. Um, I think it's really hard to tell from someone's website or from what someone says, because everyone I think says the right things, but a referral from someone who's experienced what a chiropractor offers and can speak directly to like, Oh no, my chiropractor taught me a lot. I did exercises. Um, or if you're going to go in and interview someone or have a first visit, like those are some things I would look for. Well, and I think there is something too. you said, you know, you don't want to go to someone who's going to keep you coming back twice a week for five years. There is something too when we're working with elite athletes to maintenance care. And as you said, preventative care, strengthening. Um, I always encourage my dancers to start seeing a physical therapist before they have a serious issue so that when they have a serious issue, the the person already knows their body and is like, that's not what you normally look like. That's not how you normally are. So I don't mind someone going in and seeing someone and and getting help with, um, you know, some Achilles tendinopathy, which is not a small issue, but they think it is, but something small and then being able to, to know that person. And I think that when we're working with elite athletes, there is going to be a degree of, of maintenance care. So, high level dancers, especially people with hypermobility, high level athletes will be going to a physical therapist once a month, once every two months for just what we call tune-ups because they are doing extraordinary things with their body. Right. So there is that component of it, but they shouldn't, it's like a a, a chiropractor that I didn't hundred percent agree with, um, tried to explain to me that it was like brushing your teeth, that you do go to the dentist (laughs) to get your teeth clean too, even though you're capable of brushing your teeth, but you have to go to the dentist regularly. And I was like, yeah, but if I have to get my teeth cleaned, twice a week, I'm clearly not doing something right at home, right? I shouldn't have to depend on the dentist to do that maintenance for me. And here's the difference. And I think you pointed out this really well of like, listen, I want to be a guide for my patients. And once I have a patient, they generally are with me for a long time. It's just, we need to be really clear about what my role is. You know, Mm -hmm. my role is to help you as new injuries appear, to teach you, to educate you, to treat them as they pop up. You know, I have people who have chronic Achilles tendinosis or ankle impingement. It's like, all right, we're going to treat that when that flares up. Like that's, you know, I'm here. I'm not kicking you out. I'm not saying it's a bad thing that you need to come see me because certainly as an elite athlete, 
like you said, Jen, there's, there's things we need to treat. The difference is, you know, what is our overall goal here? And are we working towards a functional improvement, structural improvements that are long lasting? Um, and when I talk about, you know, not signing up for these like two times a week for the rest of your life kind of care, you know, I'm speaking specifically of like, it tends to just be offices that are just doing joint manipulation, you know? And so in my you know, from my perspective, we need active care. And so if someone's coming to me and we're making objective progress and like, then yeah, absolutely stay. I mean, my patients, I love my, I love my patients. I've seen patients all the way through their, you know, youth pre-professional into their professional careers and into retirement. You know, I've been in practice long enough that I've seen dancers on the whole spectrum and they stay with me and they trust me. And I love that, but we're coming in with like, okay, we're setting clear goals of what we're trying to accomplish. Um, and we're gonna be really intentional and personalized about how we're going to do that. This is not, a cookie cutter approach to just like get you out of pain today and tomorrow. Like we have goals, like let's work on this. And we generally reach those goals and then something else happens or they have a flare up and they come back and we work on it again. And my job is to just be a guide and a resource for them. They're doing the work. I'm helping them along the way. And I'm just, you know, I always say to my patients, like, Hey, you and me are in a, in a rowboat. Like we both have an oar. <laughs> You know, so we're both working. And if I'm the only one doing the work, we're going in circles. And if you're, you know, <laughs> my, goal, my goal is to eventually like hand you the oar. Like I'll jump back in the boat anytime you need me, but my job is to give you the oar so that you can go and do and take care of yourself. I don't want you to rely on me forever. If you don't have to, I will be here if you need me. Um, and a lot of conditions need that. But like my goal ultimately is to try to empower you to be able to self-care as best as possible and have the highest function and, you know, optimal health that we can. That's gorgeous. And that was just like pure gold right there. I think I'm yeah, going to put all yeah. of that on a pillow, that, just the whole concept yeah, of fabulous. empowering someone to have both of the oars. Um, I know we have, we've talked a lot about chiropractic care today and I really appreciate your time. Was there anything that we, that you wanted to cover that we didn't get to today? Uh, gosh, we covered a lot. (laughs) We did, right? All of that. I feel pretty good about us. (laughs) I would just say, you know, one of my passions that outside of chiropractic, I think one of my passions is just really like educating instructors. And I just, I know you guys feel this to the depths of you also, it's just, there's such a lack of education in our dance instructors about hypermobility that I really face this challenge on a daily basis of, you know, how can we, how can we get our instructors to help empower our students as well. And we can all get on the same page. I'm really fortunate. We have a huge competitive dance community in the Chicago area. I work with, you know, probably a couple dozen dance studios. Um, I'm a consulting, you know, physician for health issues at many studios and I do have good relationships, but there's still a struggle sometimes, even with new teachers, the lack of like um, certification or, or knowledge about how to work with hypermobile dancers. And I think, you know, that would be my passion project that we would continue to educate teachers about understanding hypermobile bodies. I know you guys can agree to all of this, but um, knowing like, hey, you know, teachers could be used um, from the very young age of like being able to acknowledge like, yes, like you're a bendy, you're a bendy body. Like you don't have to diagnose that, but be able to acknowledge like we, I we're not going to push you into your end range of motion because that's not necessary, especially at 10 or 11 years old. Um, you know, you can really empower kids at a young age instead of 
exploiting them. I guess that's Mm -hmm. maybe a bad word, but instead Mm -hmm. of, you know, encouraging like so-and-so can do all the tricks. So they're going to get all the tricks and all the dances. And we're going to use that to get points and all of our routines. And you can't, we can't afford to have you injured. So if you're hurting, I'm sorry, you still have to be a part of this. No one can do this role. And I think we set the stage for these young kids at a young, you know, at this young age that they have committed their bodies to this practice like, and it's, I think it's really irresponsible of us. And I think it starts with the teachers, um, unknowingly, you know, I think it's all unknowingly. It's not on purpose. I just think education will go a long way. Um, I have dancers who, um, don't get enough time to eat between classes. And we know hypermobile dancers need more time to digest. They can't eat as much food. Maybe they're more, have more sensitive stomachs and to lump our hypermobile dancers all together with the other population is such a disservice. And, mm. Um, harming to hypermobile bodies. And so when I see dancers come into my office, I think, oh, there's all these other factors that are contributing to your health and wellness that like, who, like, I'm going to educate you on this and I'm going to advocate for you. And I want you to advocate for yourself. And I want your parents to advocate for you. And I'm going to, I'm going to educate your instructors, but it's just like, man, if we could just get all these pieces together, you know, from the get-go and have everyone understand like, okay, you know, a hypermobile body probably is going to complain of pain more. Like that's not that uncommon. Let's not shame them or call them lazy. If they ask, if they can sit out, you know, they're having a bad joint day or pain, like let's not make them feel bad about that. We need to understand like, okay, great. Yeah. Like we want to preserve your body. We want you to function optimally. We want you as part of our team. We want you to be successful. If that's what your body needs, your body needs more time to eat or you need more sleep or you need less, you know, hyperextension in your tricks and, or less number of dances. And we want to provide that for you because we care about you holistically as a person. Um, and we want you to be successful. And I just don't see that all the time. It's a lot of like, you know, gosh, you have so much talent. Let's put you in front and center. Let's make you do all the tricks. You know, let's take your leg, whack your leg over all the way over here. And it's like, and you're irreplaceable. Yes. And you're irreplaceable. irreplaceable. These kids Mm -hmm. feel, I mean, they're scared Mm -hmm. to bring it up and it's just, yeah. Ugh. You know, we I, are we are on that same soapbox. I know you with are. You. I guarantee <laughs> oh. you, we are on that same soapbox. And we are working hard. <laughs> we are working hard to change it. Um, we so appreciate your input and everything that you have to offer the dance world, and being willing to have this conversation with us because I, when we first approached you, you were like, "I'm not an expert on hypermobility, but we need <laughs> an expert on chiropractic." who works with dancers in a a way that aligns with what we think should be happening um, and works with hypermobility. And you certainly have helped us understand all of that today. So uh, if people want to learn more about you, where can they find you? Let's hear I'm on social media, Instagram and Facebook at at Dr. Carrie Sconey, D-R-Carrie, C-A-R-R-I-E, S-K-O-N-Y. And my website is performactivewellness.com. They can find me there. Leave me messages. Awesome. That's great. And we'll have the contact info in the show notes as well. Um, so people can look at that as well. Well, you have been listening to Bendy Bodies with the Hypermobility MD. And our guest today is Dr. Carrie Sconey, certified chiropractic sports physician and owner of Perform Active Wellness Dance Medicine. Carrie, thank you so much for chatting with us today. It was a pleasure to have you here. Thank you, guys. I love what you're doing. Keep up the hard work. Thanks. Thank you so much. We really appreciate you coming on today. Of course. If you love what you learned, follow the Bendy Bodies podcast to avoid missing future episodes. Screenshot this episode tagging us in your story so we can connect. Our website is www.bendybodies.org and follow us on Instagram at bendy underscore bodies. 
We love seeing your posts and stories. So please tag us using hashtag BendyBuddy. Please leave a review and share the podcast to help us spread the word about hypermobility and associated conditions. This information is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. The information shared is for educational purposes only and is not a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Please refer to your local qualified health practitioner for all medical concerns. We will catch you next time on the Bendy Bodies Podcast. This episode of the Bendy Bodies podcast was brought to you by Bauerfine Premium Braces and Supports, designed to provide joint stability and pain relief.